0: As always, on the Tuesday, I speak to Joanne Bainham from Sterling Wealth in Cape Town. And I suppose we have to talk about it, don't we, Joanne? I mean, people are probably a little bit fed up with it, but things are happening. For example, the Attorney General, William Barr, has uh, authorised, I think, some sort of investigation into potential voter fraud in a couple of states. And it's all gathering a bit of momentum. But whether it'll fizzle out or not, I don't know. The markets certainly seem a little bit nervous compared to yesterday's extraordinary action.
1: Yeah, I'm not so sure about that in terms of market nervousness. I think it's, you know, whenever you have huge moves like we saw yesterday, you often see a little bit of profit taking. And from what I'm reading as well, you'd need 25,000 votes to swing in favor of Trump to change it. So,
0: mm.
1: and I mean, that sounds like a small number, but relative to all the tiny numbers that revolve in these states, it's actually not that small. I mean, it's actually quite a big number, 25,000 votes, relative to what Trump won. I mean, lost it by. So I don't think the market's terribly worried about that for now. I, I think the biggest story right now is the vaccine. Yes. And and whilst, you know, it's got a 90% efficacy rate that people can be cured or feel better from it, I think this changes. I think it is a game changer for markets. I'm the first time in a long time I'm feeling excited about the future again. I think there's hope.
0: I think you're absolutely right. There were three things that I saw on the BBC. They, they put them at the three points that sort of tempered my enthusiasm which is the same as yours. For goodness sake, I'm fed up with all this business now. But it was um, – anyway, there were, three, there were three points that they said, just be careful just because we don't know how long it lasts. Um, we don't know what the side effects are. There was there – was, they, they made some good points without being sensational about it. But I look at it like this. I've been trying to think of an analogy all morning, Joanne, and I came mm-hmm. up with the thing. You, you go to Ikea, you're quite excited, and you see this table or this wardrobe or something like that at Ikea – and you buy it and it's in a flat box and you get home and you say, well, what do I do now? I've got to unpack this thing. I've got to spread out all the instructions, put it together. So although it's fantastic and you think, yes, I've got this thing now, how do you assemble it? And the delivery of this the, this particular vaccine is quite difficult because of the temperature that it has to be kept at and all that sort of thing. So although it's a massive breakthrough and there will be more breakthroughs as well, it's not quite the reset button, as someone put it to me today, that everybody thinks it is. Although markets are, of course, forward looking and so well done and the the, the couple that d- developed this two turkish immigrants in germany are now in the top 100 richest people in germany and it just as an aside is a big plus for the immigration factor which is obviously something that mr trump for example was dead against so there's a lot to do, a lot that i've just said in that last statement
1: well let's just talk about you don't think it's the reset um i actually think it might be and i'll tell you why I'm have been a, a huge proponent of herd immunity or community immunity, which just sounds a lot better. Yes. This disease has not been a huge issue for young people. It really hasn't. Statistically speaking, your chances of surviving this are unbelievably high if you're under the age of 50 and if you're not obese. So, you know, if you look at the world economy, who's been most at risk? It's your 70-year-old cohorts, those with comorbidities. Finally, we have a vaccine that allows those people to be vaccinated the rest of us get on with our lives and move towards herd immunity so if you are at risk you now potentially have a vaccine that can help you if you're terrified of leaving your house you can stay at home until someone brings you a vaccine and for those who are at risk there's finally a solution the vast majority of people COVID has never been a huge risk for them so if governments start buying into this because this the biggest problem with COVID actually has been governments and not the sheer number of people dying it's been governments destroying economies everywhere So finally, we get a situation where those who are at risk get a vaccine. And I agree with you that minus 70 degrees, you need two two injections. It's not fantastically easy. But finally, there's hope. Finally, there's a way out of this mess. Because, you know, we're now in November of 2020. And up until yesterday, it felt like we could have another year of this, another two years of this, another three years of this. Finally, we're getting to the point where things could get better. And the market's telling you that yesterday. So I don't know if you follow John others from Bloomberg. He wrote no, a brilliant piece in today's Bloomberg articles yes. and saying that in his 30 years of markets, what we saw yesterday was the greatest rotation he's ever witnessed. So let's just talk about what the markets are telling you. As you pointed out, Lindsay, markets are forward-looking. So what has done well in 2020 is your work-from-home stocks, You know, your Googles, your Netflixes, your Zoom, et cetera, anything that... Ad- um, enjoys the digital disruption economy, can can continue to function even if you work from home. And yesterday, so we saw massive drops in those stocks. Zoom, for instance, at one stage, I think was down, I don't, correct, don't comment on this, but it could be down 25%. I think at ended end of the day, down 12%. But the more interesting stock, the Fang stocks that everyone talks about, yesterday had its biggest loss against the equal-weighted S&P in its history. Hmm. So just to give you an example, the average stock in the FANG universe dropped by 8% yesterday relative to the S&P Equal Weighted Index. That's a huge move. When you look at momentum stocks, momentum stocks in the U.S., these are stocks that have enjoyed the growth rates from the digital economy, the tech-type stocks, were down 4% yesterday. The worst case they've ever been in momentum stock is down 2%. And then make it something simpler, the Dow versus the Nasdaq. mean, I know you enjoy stats like this. Monday's the Dow's biggest outperformance, the Nasdaq, since the bursting of the internet bubble in 2000. So we saw some massive moves from growth to value yesterday. And I don't think that would have happened if people didn't think this vaccine was credible. And that it was a potentially a, a way out of the mess that the world economy is in at the moment.
0: Absolutely, but there's, there's three factors as well. I'm throwing this out, to you know. Which do you think is the most plausible? Uh, number one, algorithmic traders. And so when you've got Zoom coming down, it's it's down three, four, five percent, which would be a normal reaction without algorithmic trading and program trading. And then suddenly they get hold of it and it goes down twenty to twenty five percent, closes down whatever it was at twelve percent in the end. And the same for uh, numerous other stocks on the downside and also to the upside then there was the other factor which was uh, shorts in the market were there shorts in the market or were the shorts all taken out last week when we saw these really really big moves i don't know joanne what do, what okay, do you think so that, i mean i I'm, can't remember what the third oh, one is trading. now but i'll get it I, while, I totally while you're talking you. Look, hmm.
1: sorry Lindsay. Yes. i totally agree I, I think markets are hugely distorted by computers today there's no denying human beings don't push prices up by 8% in a minute and down by 8% in a minute. Human beings don't do that. That's very much computer-led. However, the, the trend from growth to value, in a world, I mean, you and I have chatted about this often on your program, in a world where growth was scarce, you paid up for growth. And up until the Biden victory and up until the vaccine, people couldn't see how growth was going to turn around. If, if nothing else, we were seeing worsening statistics on COVID throughout the world, well, particularly in developed markets in the Northern Hemisphere. And it just felt like it was getting worse and worse and worse. So people were doing the, the intelligent thing. They were paying up for growth in a world of uncertain growth. And the last week, we've had a massive change to that. We've had a Biden victory and we've had a vaccine. Now, admittedly, of the two, I think the vaccines by far the bigger issue because up until this point, we still have a blue wave in the US. There is the Georgia runoff in January where You know, the the Democrats might control the Senate, but up until now, they still don't control the Senate. So fiscal spending is still quite difficult for the Democrats. But regardless, we've had some good news on the markets. And I think that the move from growth to value, again, is a very rational move. The speed and extent of that move, yes, is algorithmic trading. It's computers. But do I think it's the right trade? If this vaccine is legit, I think it is.
0: Okay, another point I'd like to make can we break the habit? In other words, can we break the habit of Zoom? Can we break the habit of Netflix? Can we stop ordering things on Amazon? Uh, Do we want to go back to work? There's a certain amount of people that have already gone back to work and that that are loving it. But there's an awful lot of people that I speak to, uh, it's maybe about 50-50, I suppose, between the two that say, nah, I'm happy working from home two days a week and going to the office three days a week. So I don't think the Zoom factor is going to disappear. And we've got to find out what happens next year when the vaccine uh, proves its efficacy and is rolled out to hundreds of millions of people and not just a a couple of million here and there in the United Kingdom in fact I think they've they've got enough on order for to vaccinate 20 million people they've ordered 40 million doses so you get uh, you have to have two as you quite rightly said but the point is that have social habits changed and have they changed forever this is a very important point
1: okay so I I do think social habits have changed I think if you've ordered online and it's worked, you're going to continue to do so. So, I mean, we, we know the e-commerce story. That's been around for a long time now. That's not just about COVID. No. People have gradually been leaving physical retailers and going online. So that continues. I'm, I'm not doubting that. The work from home story is interesting. More and more people I speak to say they can't wait to go back to office because they're finding working at home quite depressing. And a number of people, I say they're Zoomed out. They, they just cannot bear being on Zoom 24-7. It's exhausting. But back to your question, though, Lindsay, I think it'll be a combination of both. So I'm not saying Zoom isn't a good company. And I'm not saying you're not going to invest in these companies in the long run. I'm just saying the valuation anomaly between the companies that were clearly winning and the companies that were losing got too wide. So, you know, you can have a good story. You can have a good story about Amazon, a good story about Zoom. But is it in the price? And some of these companies got massively stretched. I mean, I think the reality is... No one's saying go and buy every value share out there because some of those companies are going to disappear. But what we are saying is the valuation disconnect between growth and value got too big. And too many people were talking about stories and not many people were talking about valuations. Just- also remember something else. If if the world economy does start to recover, and I'm not saying it's going to happen in the next three months, it might take six to nine months before we see sustainable growth. You know, you're going to have to start questioning the, the U.S. Fed and keeping interest rates so low. At some point, people start to say, wait a minute, interest rates lower forever argument isn't compelling as it used to be.
0: Okay. I I don't understand who you're talking to. I mean, who gets exhausted by Zoom? You sit in front of your computer. You can have nothing on from the waist down. (laughs) You can just just see some bloke that pops up on your screen and you have a chat to him and that's the end of it. What's exhausting is putting on your clothes, uh, a suit and tie in certain cases. Um, If you're in a traditional meeting with bankers or something like that, going to the meeting, having to look good and uh, appear relatively cogent that's exhausting zoom now nah, piece of cake bring it on I say zoom away you obviously don't
1: okay. no no I mean Lindsay I don't disagree I, I as I said I think it's a community combination you know you and I have been in the market for a long time we've established a network of people that we know and trust and we can do a zoom call with them because we know them quite well imagine being a youngster starting off in the job market right now not knowing anyone and trying to connect with people via zoom it's not that easy to do. It's very hard to read body language, and it's very easy to, difficult to learn from people on a Zoom call. So I think you're going to need a combination. I'm not saying we go back to working 9 to 5 in a work environment every single day of the week. I don't see that happening. No. I mean, a number of companies will move to flexi time. But equally, do I, do I see people being on Zoom from 9 to 5? No, I don't see that happening either. Because whilst you might enjoy Zoom, a lot of people I speak to are exhausted by it Mm. and and want life to return to somewhat of a normality. So I think the argument is you're going to have Zoom, but you're also going to work from work. It's going to be a combination of both. So, some, you know, the office rental market's a clear example of that. Some office rentals will do very well, some won't. If you're near good train stations and good commuting belts, you're going to do fine in an office rental market. If you're miles from anything, you're going to struggle. you know, those are very stock specific examples. But back to the point about markets and the way they react to things. Yes, yesterday's reaction was an overreaction, one could argue, because of, of um, algorithmic trading. But, but do I think it's a rational decision? Yes, because in a world where a vaccine is coming through, where we can see light at the end of the tunnel, it does make sense to me that people should start looking at companies they haven't wanted to touch for months.
0: Yeah, I I absolutely agree with you that certain stocks were overvalued and some of the value stocks were so badly undervalued that they need to redress. But I don't think that this is a change in trend. I think this is just a redressing of that balance. What are you doing at the moment at Sterling Wealth?
1: Okay, Sterling Wealth at the moment, Um, we're looking at client portfolios with very large tick exposure and looking to maybe reduce that somewhat because that's where you've made very large gains. Back to your point, though, Lindsay, you say, uh, you know, it's a long term trend. I agree, you still want to have quality investments in your portfolio. That hasn't changed. But if you have absolutely you no know, value stocks, you're going to want to have an increased exposure to them. Yeah. So, the ex- good example of that in South Africa is the SA Inc. basket. And interestingly enough, there we're not rushing to buy SA Inc., despite the rally we've seen, because I think there's still some massive structural issues in the SA economy. We've continued to prefer SA bonds to SA Inc., and that's much more of a trading strategy to buy SA stocks. I mean, SA domestic stocks, and we don't really trade for our clients. We're more of long-term holders. But I, but I do think emerging market equity exposure makes sense right now for, for clients offshore because I think the emerging markets should do very well. We know emerging markets do well when the dollar weakens, and the dollar is very weak at the moment.
0: Joanne, thanks so much for your time. That's Joanne Bainin from Sterling Wealth in Cape Town. The views and opinions expressed in these podcasts are those of Lindsay Williams and various contributors and do not reflect the policy, position